I've never actually done the podcast of a friend who I know as well as I know you. And so that feels terrifying. It's a fear that I'll let you down. You won't. Okay. I mean, or we'll say. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil Brennan. This is my podcast. It's called Blocks, based on my Netflix special. Award-winning? Nope. Nominated? Nope. Don't worry about it. Not for me. Uh, it's not what I'm here for. We talk about our problems on here, guys, and I'm told we heal the world. Mm -hmm. My guest today is a lady, this who this thirsty broad slid into my DMs six years ago. Not even my DMs, my texts, my emails. She got my email, which I didn't want him to give out from the great Mike Schur, who created Parks and Rec and Good Place. This Thirsty Broad was on The Good Place. I was. You must believe me. She messaged me and she wanted me to do EMDR therapy based on three mics. She thought I, it would help me. Uh, she was right. And then we became friends. She brought her gangly boyfriend to the comedy store. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who she was, really, let's be honest. And then uh, I asked the gangly boyfriend who he was. He said, I'm a musician. And I was like, are you? What's your name? James. What's your last name? Blake. I was like, fuck. Because I thought I was going to be able to take this thirsty broad home with me. This is the longest intro I've ever done for anything. James, the problem with James Blake, I'm a fan of, and I had many of his songs on my iPod. This is back in the iPod days. My guest today is a woman who we have a lot of emotional conversations, and we're, we're ready to go public. She has a podcast called Horrible Dates. Bad Par dates. Bad, for bad dates. Horrible is the second C is my podcast that I'm going to compete with you. Bad dates. And her name is Jamila Jamil, everybody. We don't have a round of applause. We don't, we don't ADR it. I like to talk extensively and then, and then it builds up pressure for you to say something. And then when you say something, it'll be, what will it be? disappointing yes it will be disappointing <laughs> to anyone listening um she's leaning forward nervous. she's very nervous she's very nervous because she as she said on before we you heard she doesn't often do friends podcasts and it's too exposing because i can't put my armor up around you because we've spent so because i know what your armor because, yeah. yeah you know me too well you'll know if i'm bullshitting and that's I terrifying although it's hard to call people on bullshitting. It's just hard. Like if friends, if you have friends with blind spots, it's very hard to just go. Ah, I think you you're guys rude are pretty good at, to do that. Yeah, I think you're rude. I think you're ruder <laughs> than me. If we're really going there, I think you're ruder than I am in terms of unsolicited advice. That's something I've tried to get over the years. I could. The problem with my unsolicited advice, it would never stop. If I started giving unsolicited advice to me to anyone, all right. I want to tell everyone what to do all the time. And I had to give that up oh, many years ago. Why did you give that up? Did you lose a friendship over it? Did someone tell you to fuck off? No, because I don't like passive aggression. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, well, if you don't like it, you have to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't like getting notes. Famously don't like getting notes from women dating. How have dating. you survived this friendship? I'm white knuckling it you can't do it because you have your knuckle you don't have your skin's too dark but white knuckles we go over it every time on this podcast i'd said on the breakfast club got in trouble didn't get in trouble but i said white knuckles on the breakfast club and trouble i was like what 
I was like, oh, you got, oh, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, I had to stop giving people notes because it would never stop. Yeah. I I wanted to walk the walk. Yeah, I, f- I find it very hard to hold my opinion in, as we've seen on Twitter in the last decade. Uh-huh. Um, but I consider it an act of love and I love receiving notes. You do? I love receiving notes. Even if I don't agree with them or if I'm not ready to take the note, as in to Im- implement the note, I love receiving notes because I feel like it is the most authentic and special moment of friendship where someone takes the scary leap of saying the difficult thing to you because I cannot stand passive aggression. It is one of the things that gives me the biggest ick. And and I just prefer, you know, they're like, I like my racist racist. It's like, I like my cunts to be cunts. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I like someone, if they are frustrated with me, to just tell me. And then I feel so close to that person. And so I guess that's probably where I take my own cue of then trying to carefully as I can as a fairly, you know, clumsy person. I like telling someone the truth because it's a act of love where I see a thing that you're doing that I'm worried will misrepresent you or hurt someone's feelings or end up hurting your own feelings. Like I want to tell you because I love you. I don't consider it like I'm better than you. I'm giving you judgment. I, the great Jamila, am giving you guidance. I just see a thing. You see it and then you say it. And sometimes that goes down quite badly. But I've really worked on nonviolent communication for the last like I remember you guys, you and your boyfriend, James, recommending nonviolent communication, the book. I think I got the audio book and I hated the guy's voice so much that I couldn't do it. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, it's a hard pill to swallow. But the the teaching of it is better. I prefer reading about it from other people who listened to the book. Yeah. I've noticed that if I give someone a note, I don't trust where it's coming from within me. I just do don't mean? think it's the I don't think it's an act of love. I just think it's I just like things the way I like things. And I'm genuinely, uh, generally speaking. But you don't feel like you're trying to sabotage them. I don't. No, no, no. I never feel like I'm trying okay. to sabotage them. But it's the thing of I don't know if we've ever discussed this. If I break up with somebody, I don't say why. Yeah. I don't think it's any of their business why. It's because I'm not saying I don't like. I don't think every note is applicable to everyone. It's my preference that. Mm-hmm you don't chew with your mouth whatever whatever the the don't chew with your mouth open or uh why do you squeeze the toothpaste tube it's just those are my preferences so i wouldn't feel comfortable telling someone how to be because i also i'm full of shit and i also know in terms of like even morality it's like Mm -hmm. i'm moral in some ways some ways I'm not very moral. So I think there's a spectrum though, right? You're talking about like little things that irk you versus things that you can see when your friend is doing something that's destructive or self-destructive. Like I I feel I would feel so guilty if I didn't say anything. And I think that probably comes from years in which in my 20s I didn't say something and then people completely fell apart or killed themselves or did all kinds of things and I feel as though I actually was the shitty friend for avoiding the difficult moment um, because I was afraid and not saying the thing that could have steered them towards a different path. And so now it's kind of like almost compulsive in me to say something. And 
I also just wish someone had said something to me. I've been fucking crazy for most of my life. And because I got famous at 22, no one told me. No one told me how strange my behavior was. And part of that is because either they, I don't know, we have a certain idea of what mentally ill looks like. But I was out of my fucking mind and no one intervened. And I also had bad habits and I was badly behaved and no one said anything. And I, I resent the fact that once I got better and I, you know, opened up to my friends about it, they were like, yeah. They'd known all along and hadn't said anything to me. And it's not their job to do the emotional labor, but it would have been really helpful. It would have saved me a lot of time. And so, you know, I think I project a lot. No, 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 but, I, but, my, but my, my own experience with this is I've tried to tell people what to do and people are growing at their own rate. Yeah, but you also like struggle with tone. Yeah, what a bitch. Um, <laughs> you, but she says tone, so you don't know that it's, that it's... No, but you, you do. You, you yes. did. You did. Yes. You're much better now. I've Thank watched you. like exponent. I think we've both watched a lot of growth in each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really nice that we've changed so much and still come, you know, up alongside a kind of parallel as friends. But I don't think really... we helped each other. Well, you helped with the MDR, but I don't know that we helped no, each other. No, I don't other. think we helped each other. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we helped each other. I, that's pr is my but point, which is. But that's not my point. My point is that you've, I've just, like, separately of me, I've just been able to watch from the outside how much you've changed. Your tone is much better now. And you have, a, you are an incredibly kind person who I think sometimes didn't used to represent your kindness in the way that you would speak to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that whatever mushroom you've shoved up your ass has, like, totally changed the way that you communicate and you are softer and warmer. And I love you even more. Totally agree. Love you also. But doesn't this prove the point of that it's hard to, that people are just going to grow at their own rate. And all you can do is, to, to quote a buddy of mine, water the flower and not prune it. No, because while I don't think that James and I are responsible for your significant change, I think all the hard work you did was, I do also think that notes that your friends gave you did make you realize the way you were coming across sometimes. I would disagree. I meaning I know what made me change, and it was uh, my diction, my mm. diction classes that I took. Mm -hmm. No, my tone classes. No, was the all the drugs, all the medicines, as mm. I call them. But they're most people call them drugs. The cops call them drugs. <laughs> um, so, so I know them as medicine. But yeah, yeah. that's my point. Is like you can't. All you can do is stay friendly with somebody or mm -hmm. or we have like a a nice like port for each other meaning i go to your house for like a nice we'll order some food mm -hmm. we'll sit around we'll talk for four or five hours vice versa um so what i'm saying is it's up to people to grow and mm -hmm. i don't know that that unless someone specifically asks i won't I can't, I just can't because yeah. I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, just an issue for me. It's like a real issue of like control and know it allism and like, well, you know, uh, and I don't like when people do it to me. No, I know. I know. And I don't think the, I, I like, I think when it comes to unsolicited advice, that it is a really like difficult, uh, line to walk. And I think I would only ever offer unsolicited advice if I can see that someone is really struggling and they can't see it and they are surrounded by people who aren't going to be courageous or loving enough to say it 
And so, but other than that, I try to like give advice if asked for. Yeah. I can't believe anyone asked me for advice given what a fucking mess I've been my whole life. Uh -huh. But some people do come to me. Um, but I, I disagree with you. I fundamentally disagree with you that we should just... Why are you smiling? Because, because, <laughs> because you just said you agree with it. No, I agree with you to an extent when it comes to unsolicited advice. But I think that it is... I think it is important. I have found it important in my friendships to be uh, called in and told to check myself. And, and my friends have found that. like It's made us exponentially closer because there's a feeling of like chosen family in the fact that you're going to take the risk to cross the line uh to reach over to someone and and try to make them happier and just offer the advice they don't have to fucking take it that's what i think and you know maybe that's one of my blocks is the fact that i love to i love tell to engage in to difficult no well, yeah, no, no I, don't... I don't love to tell everyone what to do i just i believe in receiving and giving honest feedback and i think it's what's made my friendship so brilliant that might not be the case but I'm in a friendship with you and I don't and I'm what I'm saying is neither one of us have even the ways in which I've changed and the how I changed mm -hmm. were totally independent and vice versa. I don't think I've ever given you you've sort of said I don't like that friendship for you and I've been like yeah I hear you but whatever and then on my own time it shifted. But I think with all of this stuff it's the same lesson I've gotten from social media which is most of the people out uh, telling you what to do mm -hmm. turns out were Fucking all, up their own lives. Yes, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. It's any any if anyone's telling you how to behave, check your wallet, and if you're a woman, check your panties. <laughs> like that's that's the bottom line. Anyone, yeah. it, it's so hard to run a profit margin with you specifically, though. Like I, I don't think I've ever met anyone. I think James is probably second to you. Okay. I've never met anyone on such a dogged pursuit of recovery or happiness. I've, I, so it would be hard to even know where, aside from sometimes like, hey, that sounded a little more offensive than I think you meant it. Or mm -hmm. this person you're friends with is a fucking cunt. Yep. Um, other than that, I think that I've never met anyone. There, there was no space was to James... su suggest anything to you that you need to do because you're yeah, already going time. above and beyond anything time. that I even knew was in this There's realm. There's no time. Yeah, you're already doing it. What was he always doing that too before you met him? Because you not guys dated we, no, and no, no, not had a hard we time. We dated, yeah, I mean, that's his sort of story to tell because it was something that he struggled with. But he's been open about the fact that he struggled with his mental health. And, and once we got together... Uh, I think because I had just come out of doing EMDR and I was in my own process of recovery, he could see how much happier and stronger I was becoming. And then he wanted that. And James has an amazing like hyper-focus for anything. <laughs> and his hyper-focus became recovery. And he went after happiness and has continued in the nine years that we've known each other to just try anything. This boy is so fucking dedicated to recovery that he's been a lifelong vegetarian. And one time I just sent him an article about the fact that there are studies that show that vegetarians are more prone to depression than meat eaters. And he ordered a lamb curry and ate the whole thing. This boy has no constitution that can can manage meat. And he ate an entire lamb curry, probably shit his pants all night. But anything literally anything to uh, try to resolve his depression. And I find that so attractive uh, in a person. I find... Do you want to fuck it? Huh? 
do you want to fuck it? I meaning, could get fingered by it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that when you say you're attracted to it, does that mean you want to have sex with it? No, it means that I'm so drawn to people right. who are on the in the pursuit of happiness. The people who just free fall and like trust fall on their friends without their friend's consent, I think is okay in your 20s. But in your 30s and 40s, you should get your fucking shit together because yeah. then you are just making an active choice to let everyone else just deal with the debris of your trauma. And I'm being appropriate. Yeah. As I get older, I really don't want to be around people who aren't on the same journey of like just trying the best. You don't have to achieve perfect like happiness or mental health, but we should all be on some sort of journey to try and get happier than we are, not only for ourselves, but for the people around you because it massively affects the people around you. I don't the care people about the people, who people around you. me. It's all for me. <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm doing this... As I said on this liar. podcast You're before, so much nicer if I and ever more say, I didn't do it be. for you fools, I did it for num the kid, number one. Whenever I say, whenever I look at a crowd and say, we did this, I am lying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did it. <laughs> Me, you didn't come to the open mics. <laughs> you didn't write shit. You didn't work the door at a goddamn comedy club. You didn't hand out flyers. I Let's go over some blocks. Oh, no. PTSD. Largely recovered, but still have anxiety that... I'm no not going to read it out, okay. are you? Okay, well, no. She wrote these to me stoned <laughs> last night. I got shit-faced last night because I was scared. On edibles? Huh? Edibles? No, no, no. I just took far too much anti-anxiety medication. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. You can get gacked off that? Mm -hmm. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Guys, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful right but most things shouldn't be stressful and you guessed it most things are but now with game time your problems are solved game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have all right let's look through the app Ingve Malmsteam is I'm as I record this is going to be at the House of Blues and um, Ingve Malmsteam. If you wanted to win an argument in the '80s and '90s about white dudes who shredded at guitar, drop an Ingve Malmsteam. That sounded dirty when I said it. Drop an Ingve Malmsteam. I got to go to the toilet and drop a. See Neil, this is why you're bad, bad spokesman. Pentatonics is showing today showing pentatonics sounds of course we all knew it sounded like a, a medication they're a band there's five it appears to be five of them pentatonics sounds like a, a medicine it sounds like a game uh it sounds like a place and it sounds like a fucking state of mind ghost is at the forum ghost i don't know who you are i don't know how many there seem to be five of you you're wearing you're dressed like the pope but like uh but, but like skeleton pope the pope of skeletons it looks like a eyes wide shut sex situation pretty cool fit for a king nope never heard of them but god bless there's three of them they're all wearing windbreakers michael franti michael franti is at the greek that's pretty good that's good for him again never heard of it crooked kings with k's that's exciting they're the at the observatory alina baraz she's at the observatory don't know who she is. Let's go uh, theater. Aladdin. Here's a little known fact about Neil. 
Never seen a Disney, uh, like Disney movie. I've seen the Pixar's. Never seen Cinderella. I've never seen the old ones. Never seen the new ones. I've never seen Lady and the Tramp. I've never seen Beauty and the Beast. I've never seen. I've never seen them, and I never will. Now it's a matter of pride. I'm pretty proud of it. Two things I'm most proud of: three mics and having never seen a Disney movie. So anyway, game time. Game time. That's all on the game time app. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code BLOCKS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code BLOCKS blocks for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices. Gaga, 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 ga, guaranteed. Okay, let's talk about PTSD. As you've seen in my new nightclub routine, it's theaters now, but as you've seen in my comedy routine, I trauma is overused and kind of been bastardized by social media. When you say PTSD, what does it feel like? Uh, or what did it feel like? PTSD, yeah, because I think I'm largely recovered because of EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy. Um but what it felt like was a complete lack of control over my brain, my thoughts, my behavior, and um, anticipating the most terror possible all of the time. So constantly being in a state of fight or flight uh, and finding it very rare to find peace and making irrational decisions that very, very quickly uh, led to uh, immense and intense suicidal ideation. So it, it was- What ideation? Suicidal, suicidal ideation yeah very suicidy this yeah guy. big time big time because not afraid of death so why not? always just like uh i don't know i think i've just done everything i want to do so i'm sort of like i'm good i'm good i'm ready to just tap out whenever right. okay i'm not feeling suicidal right no, now. i know we've had this conversation before the idea that you've done everything you want to do mm -hmm. that's career or or just life stuff but what about just having a nice dinner or having me over or no, that going would be great. To, that would be right, great. I'm just saying though that like getting I, fingered I'm sure by the, the, the your the guy <laughs> that we discussed. <laughs> All of those things would be great, and I I swear I am in a you know a better place of mind now. But I you know I've I've had some of the greatest laughs often at your shows that I could have had. I thought you'd like that. I thought we'd give you a little semi um, or a very big throbbing semi. Uh, I have experienced the most extraordinary friendship, the most extraordinary love. Uh, I have the t like just the best fucking dog. I uh, have had a fun career full of exciting, unexpected things. And, and I have eaten, I believe, all of the great snacks. Mm -hmm. on this planet and that mm -hmm. was a big one for me to cross off my fucking mm -hmm. list and so there's a immense contentment in going yeah, i've done everything that i want to do i'm not very career minded you know or success focused uh, i'm very lucky that i've had success but i don't really give a shit i i think of it as more a way to facilitate the things i really care about um but now everything just on top of that is cake you know i have a very very uh simple value system 
of the things that I wanted in life. And I got all of them eventually. And so now I'm just good to go. But I don't think that, but I. But when I get suicide, to be clear. Yes. That's because uh, I struggle with such overwhelming anxiety that it's not like, it's not like a sad, I write letters. Yeah. I'm going to explain myself to everyone. It's a stop the world. I want to get off. Yeah. That's it. I just want to tap out immediately. And it's really scary that I have that kind of suicidal ideation because it makes me more of a risk sometimes because I won't tell anyone and it happens very, very fast. And I feel immense conviction towards it. And it's normally something that can pass within 24 hours. That moment of complete despair and hopelessness uh, can pass, but I just have to take medicine now in order to stop it when it's starting. A specific medicine? Yeah, yeah. I take clonopin in the moment, yeah. like an emergency anxiety medication uh, to just see if I can ride it out. And if in 24 hours time, I don't want to kill myself anymore, then I don't need emergency help. And if I do, then I need to talk to someone. I find, I kind of am of the mind that most people who commit suicide want the particular feeling they're feeling yeah, to end. Yeah, it's an especially bad few hours end. often. Yeah. They just want this particular feeling. I don't, yeah. I think it's probably 90% of people are like, I just want this to fucking be over. Yeah. And I also don't know how to talk about it when I feel that way. I yeah. become completely mute. I literally become mute. I don't have the words. I shut myself away. I can't reach out to anyone. I, I have no capacity to reach across for help. And so that's how I- What always... makes the anxiety kick in? It can be anything. It's normally um, tremendous injustice, mm -hmm. just experiencing a tremendous injustice or um, when the world just looks too ugly. Uh, that can be something beforehand. It used to be, um, I couldn't, I didn't sleep very well for like 25 years. Uh, I've really only been sleeping well since I met James. He's the only person who makes me feel safe. He's, and he's so boring. <laughs> it's just during his concerts mostly. Oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, um, I had terrible nightmares cause I had a really abusive childhood uh, in all of the ways it can be abusive, which is physical, sexual, and emotional, psychological. Uh, and I'm from a South Asian family. You don't get help for that. You don't tell anyone even that you're going through that. You just try to become a doctor so you can fix other people's problems. <laughs> like that's yeah. what South Asians do. The, in Pakistan, if someone, if a therapist opens an office, they burn it down, correct? I don't know. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know, but I, uh, but it checks. The villagers come with torches right, and burn to the ground. It does, yeah, it tracks. But, um, but uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't have anywhere to put all these feelings. And so, you know, I just blamed myself for being weak, for having suffered uh, the impact of what I was told was a very normal upbringing. I was raised by, you know, a family that was very insular and we didn't have a lot of outside people or friends or a support system. I think that's quite typical when South Asian families move to a predominantly white country. We just sort of stick together. And and so and our were there other extended, South Asians around? Not where I could, was. Yeah. Not where I was. And our family lived like really far away, extended family. And so I, you know, I I didn't know that my childhood wasn't normal. And one member of my family was actually going out of their way to tell me how lucky I was and how much worse other people's childhoods were. Which was were they correct? No. They would seek out in newspapers stories 
of like horrific situations in yeah. which like a mother burned her family alive or a yeah. father shot the whole family up yep. and be like, do you see how lucky you are? And it was such extraordinary, like coercive, did you, like did abuse. Did you always <laughs> suspect that it wasn't great? No. Interesting. Your body wasn't like No, this my isn't body great. was a fucking yeah. mess. Yeah. I was sick all the time. Like I uh, wasn't sleeping. I had terrible, terrible nightmares. Uh, I had aches and pains that I couldn't explain. And I think now they say that's like somatic when you mm -hmm. push the feeling down. I had an eating disorder from the age of like 11. Like, it was all coming out in different ways. But I just thought it was all my fault. I thought I was broken. I had no idea that... That, that I was in an extremely... Because as a kid, you just know what you know. You have no idea. I didn't know if I was rich or poor. I was poor. But like, you just don't know. You have nothing to compare it to, especially if you are isolated from mm -hmm. other people. And so that was, you know, my experience. And so you grow up like that. And like the first seven years of your brain uh, developing are so vital. And so I grew up in like nothing but abject terror with like little injections of love here and there. Mostly, you know, I think like stability from my brother. But then he left when I was six years old and moved to another country because he was so traumatized in England. So I was left on my own with a lot of very, very, very troubled adults who now, as an old person, I can look back on at the age that they were and go, fuck, they just shouldn't have been around a child. Yeah. I have immense empathy now for like how mentally ill they were. But I was just, it was just fucking emotional Jumanji, like from the minute I could understand. And so that's why. Jumanji I think, is a, that's a Pakistani. <laughs> it's an Indian restaurant around the corner. Guys, I'm, I do racism professionally. But, yeah. I do structured racism. I've been doing it for about 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just. I don't know. It, it it just it set me up to be a, a nervous, crazy, uh, anxious wreck of a person. And I have managed to deal with the nightmares. I have managed to deal with the sleep. I can now be in the dark because of EMDR, because I couldn't be in the dark. Terrible, right. terrible things happen to me in the dark. And um and I feel generally like a happy person who's overall safe. The only hangover that I'm not seeming to be able to get rid of is just Worst case scenario syndrome. Yeah. Which drives James crazy. Because he's so like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And I am the exact opposite of that spectrum. Um, I took medication last night because I was so sure that I was going to ruin this podcast. Finally. And that you were going to disown me as a friend. Uh-huh. The, the, the night is young. <laughs> but there's still time. Yeah. Well, James is such a musician in that he's like, infinite money everything's infinite and you're like all right yeah I, 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 as a as like somebody who's just d oriented differently i'm like i okay i don't assume anything's gonna go well in the future yes and i, I also think that there's some value to that i think it's great i oh it's, look, it's not amazing like i have uh Terror, terrorizing thoughts about like if my dogs are safe at home so is the fire alarm working like i yeah. have lots of anxious crazy thoughts about that sort of thing but i have none of that i have no ocd you don't give a like shit that about i don't you know how i feel yeah. about keith i open <laughs> neither of you uh, care about each other yeah you we're are roommates roommates yeah yeah but i do imagine like worst case scenarios all the time but when it comes to expecting everything to go badly I cannot recommend it highly enough because my whole life has been like if I were to write like a 
biography of my life, it would just be called like pleasantly surprised. I've been pleasantly surprised that things have gone nicely, that I have made friends, that that the TV shows I made were received really well. I didn't burn anything to the ground. Um, I just, you know, it's just a lifetime of, huh. Right. Which is, for me, a much healthier feeling than expecting everything to go really well and then facing the terror of disappointment. Like whatever manifesting is teaching, I am on the exact opposite side of that. Yeah, yes, I that's whenever people bring up manifesting or even it's like anything good that's happened to me it wasn't because i mean if you interrogate your dreams like deeply or your consciousness or psyche deeply enough you can go i guess i thought i would be a comedian mm-hmm. you know what i mean or whatever like whatever your thing is like if you're like i kind of thought didn't you did you think you were gonna die or did you think like I feel like I have something in me that's worth expressing. When? It, age 15. No, age 15, I uh, I hoped I was just going to die. You know, I didn't have a plan. I thought, well, I'll probably go to medical school in case I do survive this shit. Uh, and then I can, you know, just uh, recycle my problems and turn it into helping other people. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been very obsessed with putting my energy into other people and helping them and just giving up on myself. Uh, and the only so you're reason a good I... woman is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But I think James has been a huge motivator for me in getting my shit together because I love him and I love spending time with him and I want to be the best version of myself for him so that he won't leave. <laughs> but how did you pursue anything? Meaning how did you pursue uh being hosting things and all the stuff you were doing in england i got i got scouted like i was an english teacher i was very happy in that job i also worked in a video shop fucking loved that job i was designed to work in a video store like stocking managing stock watching movies all day like the minimal customer interaction like that was my sweet spot in life uh I, it's I fun- would- you're the only person i've ever heard enjoying working in a video store because of the stocking oh, i just love order I loved order. I loved fucking cleaning the surfaces at the end. I loved observing the little micro interactions between other people uh, and watching like people who were lonely on a Friday night, just going to the video shop and using it as a way, as an in to be able to talk to someone attractive because they'd notice what that person was looking at. And then they'd be like, oh, I've seen that movie. And they'd strike up a conversation. You'd watch people literally fall in love at the video store. So that was my favorite job I've ever had. But anyway, I was uh, street scouted to try out for a TV show. I just read a book called The Yes Man by Danny Danny Wallace. And I blame him for my entire life. Um, But he wrote a book about a person with severe depression who had nothing to lose, who just decided for one year to say yes to everything. That was made into a movie, right? Yes. The Jim Carrey movie. It was, yeah. I haven't seen that movie because I love the book so intensely. But um, Danny Wallace is a fucking brilliant writer and I love him so much. Uh, But this book just, I was 19 and it was just a very, you're very porous at 19. Yeah, it was either the alchemist or that. So other than anal, I said yes to everything uh, for like the next 15 years. What about double anal? Huh? What's double anal? I think you know what double anal is. No, what do you have yet? to create a new asshole? No, I think you're you stick two two things up up it. Oh no, I my asshole's tiny. Tell me, mine's mine's it's like mine's a small uh, cat's. mids mine's mid size. 
<laughs> what have you been stretching out? <laughs> I don't. I know. I think mine's tiny too. Actually. I don't yeah. have a butt. Like I work my glutes out, and I just don't have uh, the frame. No, to you and I it. are both like it's just hashtag pray for the arseless, isn't it? It is. It I'm turns sorry to drag out. you yes. into that with no, me. No, please. But, you know. Uh, so all right, so here. but when you said yes, it was all just from desperation. It was just because Danny Wallace told me to. But it, but and it was from like I have nothing to lose. Yeah, from I have yeah. nothing to lose. I had no money, and it was loads of money. I was making like one thousand five hundred a month as a teacher at best, uh, working all fucking day and working week. Don't want them. This was one thousand pounds a day. And I was like, fucking, yeah, of sure, I'll go. I didn't think I was going to get it. Yeah. I've never thought I would do anything well. I never thought anyone would love me or like me or that I would ever get a job or make any money. I just thought I'll probably check out by 20. So I had nothing to lose. And it's been an incredibly liberating life in that way because I'm never afraid of embarrassing myself. I'm very afraid of letting a friend down, which sure. is why I was nervous about this yeah. podcast. Yeah. But I've done other things on stage in front of a hundred thousand people. I don't give a fuck because I'm not afraid of, of, of looking bad or coming across badly because I think so lowly of myself. I have such low self, like, um, maybe esteem. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah. So I'd like, I've such a low opinion of myself that it's like, there's nothing anyone could say that I wouldn't be like, yeah. But or I I've already say, said worse to I myself. I could counter that by saying it's the, it's like I have low self-esteem also, but, but you, you might go, well, you're pretty, you talk pretty confidently, Neil, for someone with low self. It's Seinfeld's yeah, observation. Classic, that, right. It? It's Seinfeld's observation that like, he's like, I don't know about the comedians saying they have low self-esteem where he's like, are you, you're charging people? To hear you talk, <laughs> it's low yeah. self-esteem, and you, you're okay. Self-esteem, interesting. But I think it's more like low self-opinion then. But I, I have a low self-opinion. But I also think that like a lot of arrogance or you know um, precocious confidence is almost always a mask for uh, extremely low self-esteem because you wouldn't need to blow your horn if you felt like someone else was blowing it. That felt sexual, but tell me about it. Maybe it was. Um, um but, but i hear you but i guess it's i don't i just have nothing to lose i just have a fuck it bucket yeah and i'm like I'm with sure you. i'll go to that audition sure i'll go be in a thing with ted danson even though i've never acted a day in my life or known anything about acting or gone to drama school like fuck it how bad how bad can it be my dad always used to say to me like like no one's gonna take you out into the you know street and shoot you like what's the worst that can happen and so i think I mean, there are some jobs in which that actually could happen. Yeah. So stay away from those yes. jobs. But generally, that's been my attitude of just like, well, why not? Why not just go try it? And if it if it goes badly, then it's a funny story for your friends. And so I almost go out in life seeking the most ridiculous outcome because I think it'll be entertaining. So I love embarrassing stories and I love delivering embarrassing stories. And so I really can't lose yeah, I'm with you. I always tell people like uh, most people do stand up because they get to the point where they go, well, bad stand up is still better than life. Yeah. Like I could bomb on stage. I'm bombing constantly in life. Mm -hmm. So why not bomb in a place where I can there's a, some upside. Get paid for it. Yeah, like I there's upside. There's like I could also potentially crush I just, I've always had a very interesting relationship with imposter syndrome. Like, I, I don't think I have imposter syndrome. I think I genuinely 
am an imposter, which is probably the foundation of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But I literally don't know what I'm doing. I literally, I literally have no idea what I'm doing ever. I didn't yeah. know how to start a podcast. I didn't know how to start a social justice company. I didn't know how to be an actor or be a TV presenter or fucking model in magazine. I don't know how to do any of this shit. I am an imposter, but I treat it as like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to be here. Why would I count myself out of this experience just because I don't deserve it? I'm going to treat it like crashing a wedding and I'm going to, you know, get all the, you know, cake and, you know, get fingered or whatever while I'm, while I can. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. You know, just like, it, it just like, it, life can be so much more fun than we make it because we put so much pressure on ourselves to excel. But who gives a shit? Who cares? I just think that we place too much importance on success. I don't care about success. I don't care about legacy at all. I mean, I'm legacy so is the dumbest thing it's, it's in the, the world. the most biggest load of bollocks. Um, and so I really just care about now. And you should try your best not to hurt and offend people if you can avoid it. But other than that, fuck it. Yeah. I happen to agree with you. And that's hard to do if you have a very high opinion of yourself because then you've got something to live up to. I'm of two minds on this. It's the Seinfeld observation of like, oh yeah, low self-esteem. And then at the same time, I yeah, know he that doesn't know everything, does narcissist he? Jerry, yeah. he knows a lot. Yeah, not everything. Um, the, the, but I agree with him on that regard where it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't think I, I, I the low self-esteem thing and, and like narcissists are actually hate themselves. And I'm like, yeah, but they never realize it. It's like all these yeah, sort but of. How many comedians have we seen kill themselves or develop like deteriorating and debilitating addictions and and live lonely lives? It's like it's fucking out there. Like comedians are some of the. But I'm not even saying comedians. I'm just talking about anyone. It all of these disease. I I don't know if people who move out here to work have low self esteem or like I just don't know which part to believe. Yeah. within myself well, totally and listen it's going to be different for everyone for me personally i just live for the adventure because i don't think i'm i, I, I i've never had the sense i'm going to be here that long but, and you know that's sad but i but I, th I hopefully will and i feel better about that now but yeah. i grew up for most of my life thinking i'm not going to be here very long so just being like well just experience everything i'm a curious cat yeah when it comes to uh, a lot of those things of just finding out who am i in this situation Sometimes that person is a piece of shit, but I like learning about it. I mean, you, it's very exciting when you find out you're the piece of shit. Tell me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've had several of those moments. Uh, have some fairly strong stories from my formative years of being rejected socially. Yeah. Is that about the low self-esteem? I think it's where it probably comes from. Yeah. Again, another one. Who remembers childhood as a glorious, easy cakewalk now i think we had very extreme childhood i would agree right but i'm saying i don't with the the social rejection part so some people really did just have an okay time i know some people who were the bully <laughs> which is stunning to me um yeah. but i uh i think a lot more people had an easier time than others and i think the way that you're raised and the kind of the, there's you emanate prey you know, that right. you emanate like a walking target yeah. uh, when you are savaged as a kid. And so I think when you walk into something as terrifying as school or high school with that energy that you can't help but resonate, like, or not resonate, you can't help but um, put out there, uh, I think 
what's the word I'm looking for? Emanate. Emanate. So you have that energy that you like can't help but emanate. And I think other kids pick up on that. And those kids are stronger or they've had their own reaction to their own trauma at home. And you just get eaten alive. I was eaten alive at school. And I was also a fucking weirdo who would stare at people too much because I was always trying to learn how to be a normal person. I always felt like an alien. I never felt like I could relate to anyone about anything. I felt very, very like stuck in my body, very, very lost. And I was always just trying to study like TV stars or movie stars or other girls in school or anyone who seemed like they had their shit together. So I would stare at people all the time, which people don't love. And yet I couldn't look them in the eye when they would look at me. So I couldn't make eye contact, but I could stare at you like a creepy pervert in the lunchroom. You know, I also didn't know how to talk to people. I uh, would panic at parties in the rare instances at which I was invited, probably by mistake or it was just a sort of open house party. And I would get there, panic and set up like a coat check. I would set up a coat check at a house party and charge people <laughs> tip jar <laughs> like 50p or like one pound or whatever and i would look after everyone's coats all night and that would be How my old? job 14 not cool not cool well, to set up a coat check industrious yeah like entrepreneurial spirit but i would sit there and i would set up a coat check and i would diligently stay until the very end of the night to make sure everyone got their coat how many times do you do that about 11 times Great. And then other times when it was summer, so no one had a coat check, I would bring my own trash bags <laughs> tidy up as the party was going along <laughs> to keep it clean. <laughs> Pretty great. So, you know, I, uh, I've always found it hard to fit in. And I'm really, really lucky that when I was 19, I just happened to meet a group of friends who finally understood me and let me be me. And those people still live with me now in my house. Oh yeah, you have a you and James have a good policy which I like. You can afford your own house. It's a large house and you guys have a few bedrooms extra and you have roommates. Yeah, all the bedrooms and are filled. Do you charge them? A little bit a just little to bit. create a dynamic where they could still a tell power us dynamic. just to create a dy dynamic where they can tell us they feel the right to tell us to go fuck ourselves. Do you know what I mean? If you let people live with you for free, I think you can really fuck around with a balance where then they you run the risk of them not telling you if they have a problem with you or a resentment or they want a certain thing done in the house because they feel like they're living off you. And you see this all the time in this industry where people uh, bring their friends along with them, but then give them no sense of like agency, autonomy, mm -hmm. self like self-respect or whatever. And so we have learned the hard way via trying to be too generous when we were younger and just being like, no, 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 I'll cover everything. I'll pay for every single meal. I'll do everything. And what we ended up doing was disabling them in some way. Yep. And so we, yeah, we, we charged them a bit. But yeah. But I like that it's a good policy. Yeah. And you have a, a interesting observation, which is you like seeing James, this would apply to anybody, but like you like seeing your boyfriend through other people's eyes. Like you see him interacting with yeah. people in your house and it's not just you, the two of you hermetically sealed, like slowly I think resenting each other. I think fucking crazy. Spousal living? Yeah, where you just piss off together. Like this is just so modern and individualism centric. Like I can't bear it. It's so abnormal to how like the cultures that I was raised in, like, 
you were a fucking village. You were a community. We don't have a real sense of community anymore, especially in Los Angeles. And I love the feeling that like we're not trying to find every single thing that we fucking need from another person just in each other. It's so much pressure to put on another person. So we outsource, like not sex. Sex is just for me and James. Sorry, mm. Neil. Um, and and everything else that we need, if it's not fully there or if someone's having a shitty day or if they're, you know, working really hard at the moment, you can't expect them to be there for you every fucking moment that you need them. So we've got our other mates. Yeah. I don't always want to go and play Rocket League with him. He doesn't always want to go and watch this fucking TV show with me. It's like we have other people to go and do that with. And you sit in a- The amount of Rocket League that the singer James Blake plays. <laughs> it's you a go, lot. When you listen to his music, you go, I know two things. I know he doesn't play Rocket League and he didn't fall for Bitcoin. <laughs> but I have bad news on both accounts. Guys. No, he's actually in a very balanced place now with all of yes. those things. But he, it's just, it's fucking incredible also that because like a lot of my friends are men, you know, and, and I think people have this idea of me because of the way I've been portrayed by the media that I hate men or if I ever talk about patriarchy that that means I hate men. It's like right. patriarchy is something that I think hurts men in very different but um, equal ways to the ways in which it hurts women. I care very deeply about men. Like I've been speaking about uh, my love for men and my my fears for men for five years, almost as long as I've been talking about my fears for women. But people think I hate men. I don't. And, and of, I'd say... Almost the majority of my friends are boys, probably because I grew up so bullied by girls. So I'm afraid of women sometimes. And my brother was like my everything. And so mm -hmm. I have a comfort level with them. But I can't believe I found a, a, a partner who was comfortable with how many men I'm friends with to the point where he's let them move into our house. And now they are his best friends. Go you know what helps together. is I wouldn't. I feel like the worry would be like, oh, you're going to sleep with them. With you, <laughs> it's like so, so like fucking someone is the last thing you want to do. So it would be like, Wait, what do you mean? Like you're not gonna sleep with someone. Like the amount of things that need to happen for you to want to sleep with somebody. And then you mean me specifically? You yes, you specifically. Same like, things. That you're sexually. Uh, <laughs> No, but I'm saying I wouldn't worry if I were dating you. I wouldn't worry about you like sleeping with other dudes because it would just because I come across as a frigid bitch. No, not frigid bit. Uh, you just have other interests. What do you mean? Like what? Even with in interactions with men, you're not in it for no sexual attention. Is not a thing no. that no. I give off zero vibe. Yeah, it's in the negative. It's yeah. Minus I've never 10. once thought like even the I I would have to like. Put my thinking cap on <laughs> to think about sleeping with you. Like, huh. Everyone says that. Jamila. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. How? Okay. I'll see what I can do. I'll literally like would have to get like an app or something to try to figure it out. I mean, I, I wrote this in my notes to you. Like I can't do, I've written sex scenes out of any of my contracts. Like I can't do sex scenes because I wouldn't even know. Like I am a sexual person, but the sexual side of me is only reserved for my partner mm -hmm. and even that person is switched off until he activates me yeah like, i he believe has that to, he he like pulls on my like clothes or underwear to let me know that Signal. he's he's interested because i cannot pick up on social cues even with someone that i've been with for eight years that there's a vibe i give no vibe i receive no vibe 
And it's been like that my whole life, which is why I've only kissed six people. I've slept with five. So it's actually like pretty good odds there. A five for six. Not bad. What are we... What, I don't know. What... <laughs> I'm trying to inflate are, are, something no, that I'm doesn't just saying, need to are be you, inflated. That, I don't want to. I don't want to sex shame <laughs> people. I want. Some people, I want to be sex positive. The people who kissed positive. me wanted to have sex with me. That's cool. Oh, oh, you're it's saying that the, yeah, they yeah. like what they they yeah, like they the like sample. What they tasted. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? Hey, you got a vagina on you? Maybe that I could interact with. I like your mouth. But I just don't have what a. What about your puss? I don't have a sexy personality. You know, I'm just a stone. I'm a stone statue, and I I can't believe that. Um, Anyone loves me. <laughs> Severe body dysmorphia yes. and face dysmorphia. Yeah. And anorexia. Yeah. I don't have those things now, but I just thought, given how much of my time publicly is spent talking about diaculture and the evils of it, it'd be a bit weird or disingenuous if I didn't just put it on my list. But I also said this might be boring and we don't have to talk about it. No, no, no. I don't. I mean, I'm more interested in the how it how it stopped. How did it end? EMDR. EMDR and again, having a boyfriend that I wanted to live for. I still get suicide now and then with James, but it's... Harder to follow, but I'm saying the, the dysmorphia, like my oh no, I haven't. The, the, the dysmorphia hasn't gone. Gross. The dysmorphia in the face hasn't gone. That's I don't think that's ever going to go. I don't know if that can go. I think but, there's actually something like neurologically wired to mean that I can't see what I look like in the mirror, uh, and so weirdly a photograph I can believe, but in the mirror I see something completely morphed, and so I don't really look in mirrors very often. Mm -hmm. And when I have to do my makeup, I do it on a compact that's literally this big, even for like the Golden Globes, like this big, so that I can just look at one feature at a time rather than have to like terrorize myself in my face. I haven't been to a hairdresser. You know, people make fun of how it long shows. I've had this, yeah. <laughs> people make fun of how long I've had this uh, haircut since I was two, which is 35 years. Um, and it's because I can't bear to go to a hairdresser because I don't want to sit and look in front at yourself. of the mirror. Yeah. yeah. So I just, you know, trust whatever's being done if someone does blow dry. But, but I cut my own hair, cut my own terrible fringe um, because I just can't bear it. So it is fine. It's fine. It's a shitty thing to feel. Uh, but it also is why I spent such a long time focusing on my brain and my sense of humor and my personality and, and making myself less and less of an intolerable person, which I'm still working on, uh, is because I knew I didn't have that to rely on. And then the most confusing thing in the world is to go from being picked on for the way that I looked my whole life to now being told that I have this like pretty privilege and that I am considered an attractive person and I am put on the cover of Vogue or whatever. Um, my brain doesn't go, huh, well, then I must be pretty gorgeous. My, my brain just goes, not everyone else is fucking stupid. And that's fine. I'll take the opportunity. But they're wrong. Or I've fooled them. What do you think when you see a picture of yourself or if you see a video of yourself? Oh, I feel disgusted. But feel like, is out. that you or is it you don't even uh, identify with it? I just don't even know who that is. And I hate it. I hate the way it looks. Sometimes I look all right. Sometimes it looks okay. Um, but but generally, I just try not to. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I really hate having my photograph taken. I really hate a red carpet. I really I can't. I've never watched The Good Place. 
beyond like a few odd scenes that show up on the internet. I can't watch myself. I can't listen to myself back. Uh, and so it's probably why I'll never really develop as an artist because I don't study myself. But it's just... It's um, hard. It's. It, I mean, I've, I think I've told this story before, but like I've directed stand-up specials for people and then you send them, you send it to them and they have to watch themselves for an hour and it's it's hard to do it's, it's really like challenging disc like uh, why is my face like why do i sound like that why does my face look like yeah. that don't cut over to that side like mm -hmm. just weird shit that people have in their minds because it is and it, it is that thing that i'm not convinced of either way which is like we hate it but yet we charge people to look at it everything is subjective right so so just because i hate something loads of people love the things that i hate so if i hate me it doesn't mean other people won't love me or enjoy me right. just because i think i'm a fucking idiot doesn't mean someone else won't find some like nuggets of wisdom in what i say and so i think just put it out there just put it out there don't try to be the 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 jury and the judge of what is good because how are you ever who the fuck are you to decide how can you ever know what is good or what people are going well, to enjoy? But it's your own because you have your own standards. So if you yeah, have but it, my standards are just my standards for me. It doesn't mean someone else isn't going to enjoy it. <laughs> right. But then how do you decide what to write or what, like whatever the output is? Other than like, man, I don't think it's good, but somebody might. I think at some point there has to be a standard I for I just your do own. what I enjoy, right? The TV shows that I pick are based on who's making it, who am I going to spend time with on set, and am I going to find it fun to do this project? I never, ever, which you can probably see in some of my decisions, like just think, what is everyone else going to think? I never think that. But if you tweet something, mm -hmm. isn't that, here's what I think, and here's what I would like you to think? No, not here's what I would like you to think. This is just, here's what I think, and I would like to join in the conversation. And it's taken me so fucking long to realize that I don't get to participate with my level of platform in like a discussion. When I, we've now turned public figures, all public figures into politicians. Mm -hmm. And so everything is like a statement and mm -hmm. an example being set. And I just could not get that into my thick fucking skull until truly like the last year. And I still fuck up. But I I really just thought I was joining in a conversation. Like I'm so desperate all the time to learn about people because I feel so abnormal. And I really want to understand people. And I think if I can understand them, then maybe I can be more like them. And then maybe I'll be more acceptable. And so I just want to, I just want to join in the conversation. Like I don't think my opinion's better than anyone else. Even when I came out swinging as like this big feminist and everyone was like, Jamila Jamil, the feminist hero that we need. Like people were hyperbolizing how amazing and extraordinary, like just this fucking pedestal. Right, like, but I nightmare. like the conclusion you came to with all that year, uh, years ago, and I don't know if you even still believe it, but the thing of like, I'm canceled or whatever, there's no, there is no such thing. You just go, oh, you didn't like it? All right, well, yeah. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not going to stop. No, I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to disappear. But what I was saying about the whole like, you know, like me being like hyperbolized as how amazing I was. Even then, back from the beginning, I was like, no, 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 no. I left school at 16. Like I'm a feminist in progress. I'm figuring it out. I'm just learning. I've always tried to avoid this idea that like I think that I am on this soapbox and you should listen to me. 
I'm just speaking my opinion. And I think the reason they're drawn to me is not because they think I'm always right, but I think it's because they think it's refreshing that I'm willing to just try publicly. I'm willing to show my workings out. I'm willing to make the mistake, get back up, try again. I'm not trying to impress or lead anything. I don't think that I have the right to tell anyone like what to do. There are things that I feel should happen or there are things that I think are unjust and inhumane. But I'm just speaking about it as one human being who believes this thing. And I think and it now, got publicized because you're good looking and they're divisive issues and it's fun to pile on. And we love a to bring look. a woman up. Yeah, we love to like, build a woman up because then the, the higher we build her up, the, the bigger the fucking drop. We always cyclically drag her down by her pubes and then like throw her in a gutter. Like the, the, the but pedestal about is just Pakistan. A, yeah. <laughs> fuck me, Neil. Like, but <laughs> the, the pedestal is just a trap door to a big toilet of shit. And so, yeah, you know, I, and you, I knew you, that yes, going on my were, way up. Yeah, like, I knew you, that on I my way up. I remember you saying like, yeah, you were like, I watched these girls shirt or shrink from the negative attention, except for a few of them who just go, no, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, man, I get into trouble all the time. And I, we are treated as women in particular as like, if you've done something wrong, you have to leave forever. You have to, you can't burden anyone else with your existence. We can't, you can't set a bad example for the others so that they know that they can also make mistakes. We have to fucking get rid, you need to get rid of yourself. A lot of the women who disappeared after they were canceled or globally, you know, like piled onto, they they actually canceled themselves most of the time. They, they, they opted out of all opportunities. Yeah. Not to say that they hadn't lost opportunities, but they just like disappeared from public yeah. life because we're taught that our only value is how likable or fuckable we are, how easy we make it for everyone else. So if you create a challenging situation for people and you're a woman, then how fucking dare you? Do you know how lucky you are to be in the room? And I just kind of was like, I don't know, man. Like in 2020, when I got really piled onto for every single fucking thing that I did or said, like it was just, it was coming. I'd had too many years of being like hailed as God to survive it and I was being dragged down. And I did have the thought of, well, I should probably leave. I should probably retire and go and do something else or retrain and- Coach check. Yeah, exactly. Oh, go and start up a video shop. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that'll do well in mm -hmm. this climate. Mm -hmm. um, but then I thought, well, what would a white guy do? And most of the white men that I know would go like, oh yeah, that was unfortunate. But you know what? I'll figure it out. I'll just keep going. I was like, why don't we all do that? But it also doesn't mean anything. That's the other, well, totally. like, whether it's a white man or you, not, no, it's, my point none is, of is it that, means anything. But you don't learn that until you do it, right? Yeah. And the only people that I had examples of who would just keep going were white men. So I was like, well, why don't we all just try this? I'm just going to stick around and see what happens. Yes, people find me annoying or unlikable or flawed in some way. Fine. I'm just going to keep going and see what happens. This is going to become my own life experiment because fuck it, because that's been my entire philosophy through life. And in doing so, I realized people move on. They don't even remember what they were fucking they mad don't remember. at you for. Yeah, they have they no don't care. The work comes back and you just grow and you do better. And actually, it's amazing for some people in society to have an example of someone who does fuck up and then changes. We have so many perfect idols, especially women. Like where they look perfect, not hair out of place. Like they, they don't, they have the right opinion or no opinion, the perfect behavior, the perfect smile. And I think that was fucking toxic for me as a kid to see that because that's the standard I held myself up to. And I know these people in real life, they are far from perfect. So projecting this perfect image just upholds this like bullshit standard 
that makes young people feel like suffocated by that level of perfection. I would rather people know that I'm a fuck up and that like we're in this shit together. My podcast is me learning in real time and being publicly ignorant. I'm not proud of it, but why? I mean, again, why not? (laughs) But the other thing with all the, the, all of the things that you saw as like media things or whatever were, nothing like they weren't and they to anyone that wasn't you it was like i just they were all ignorable they weren't it wasn't like front page it was like i don't know some of it was front page okay some of it was really crazy and and i did lose like work from doing so and i did lose a lot of money from the 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 choices that i made and the fights that i took on and so it was very real but it doesn't mean that i can't grow and change like something that just drives me fucking crazy about liberals now like especially social media liberals is this idea that like what's the point of all your activism if you don't actually fundamentally believe that people can change what are we doing here of course not. why are they we bothering want, saying anything they all want criminal justice reforms but not socially yeah yeah they hate cops but they behave like they all cops. want criminal like, justice so it's just like i've more and more distanced myself from that movement i believe in all the same causes but the way that they go about it horrifies me and i own my own responsibility in the fact that i was complicit within pitchfork culture when i was younger like five i agree years with ago. That. that's the like, only part I, of any of this that i re- I hold my fucking hand up and just i go regret like, is like being scoldy that's the only part of like the last 15 years that i regret i regret just being like yeah Meh. and it's so it's I cringe, so fucking I cringe gross at myself like yeah, five years ago because just like it, who has ever learned anything who has ever grown from being shamed and maimed it's it, i certainly haven't I've learned from moments of grace and a bit of space to learn, right? And then I've grown and I've changed. I was a massive fucking misogynist like 10, 12 years ago. Massive misogynist. Really didn't like or respect women. And I've become who I am now, who is a very different person who fights passionately for the rights of women and who really cares. And it comes really deep inside of me. It's like, I changed. And so we can all change. I have belief in change. I have like an immense amount of grace and mercy I would like to extend to other people that was extended to me once and I don't I I do not subscribe to the way that 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 social media liberals or liberals like you know uh, use this the way they weaponize moral perfection mm-hmm. it, it's just it I find it deeply disturbing and I'm just like the hypocrisy is too much to bear and what I was joining in on with my like little pitchfork or my little soapbox five years ago was was me thinking we were a part of trying to change what was bad. I had no idea what this was going to become, which was just like a constant self-sabotaging, self-mutilating like witch hunt for each other. Like yes. no big systemic issues helped. N- nothing about p- poor people, nothing about no. like what's actually impacting the vast majority, just fucking infighting and nitpicking yeah. and and egomaniacal who like mirror mirror on the wall who's the like most I don't purest. know yeah who's the purest of them all so that has been like a huge shift for me and liberating myself from that has been yeah it was a it was a it was it was too all much. performative and it was not nobody was mine wasn't performative I really thought we were trying to change something but I but but in retrospect but you're, not changing, not, you're not changing any you're not fucking changing no, anything no it wasn't helpful the way I spoke to people like when men were really horrible and vile to me online rather than ignore it or just challenge like hey 
why are you speaking to a total stranger like yeah. this? I just call them an incel. It's a fucking horrible thing to say. Even yeah. if they're being horrible to me, it's a fucking horrible, like reductive, shitty thing to say to someone. You have no idea like what their life experience is like. I, I, I've just, the last four years has been so transformative for me to realize that like, none of us have a leg to stand on if we don't treat people with the humanity and grace that we wish to receive ourselves if someone's telling you how to behave check your wallet or check your panties i stand by it jamila it says here that you're detached and disconnected yeah. and that you don't miss people <laughs> um now Once i'm out of here you are dead to me well you and i have that in common in that when if we don't if you don't text me back in three hours, I assume I've done something and it's over. Our mm -hmm. relationship's over. Mm -hmm. um, do you assume that people have turned on you? Always. Yeah. Also, like I had a friend one time um, who was supposed to meet me and didn't turn up and then didn't respond to me uh, all day. And I was sending like angrier and angrier and angrier text messages about like how disrespectful it was. And it turned out she was dead. So I have that extra layer now of terror that if you don't text me back, you've died. And that really, because of worst case scenario syndrome. <laughs> it's a, sounds like a super storm. Very prevalent within me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, uh, I am incredibly um, detached as a person. Like I, I think I do feel a lot, but I think it's happening in my body. Like. I can feel my blood pressure go down when I'm around James. Are you? I can feel my body language change depending on who I'm with. I, uh, when I get stressed, I don't really feel stressed in my brain. So like when I'm receiving like a pile on on the internet or something terrible is happening at work, I'm completely pragmatic and highly functional and show no emotion, but I'll get like kidney stones. So all my shit's happening there. But generally, I, I because of that, I feel quite detached. I really don't understand a lot of people. I don't understand people's motivations. I don't relate to a lot of people. Um, and that made me feel like a, an alien my whole life. Like E.T. is the most seen I've ever felt. E.T. Maybe E.T. Yeah. That for me was like such a formative experience. And then Data from Star Trek, you know, was like, this is my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> That's me. That's my Star representation. Yeah. Star Trek was fucking amazing. But... I, you know, that's, so that's been, that's been difficult to uh, make sure that people who love me know I love them back. And I normally show them by getting them food because mm -hmm. um, one of my parents uh, could never show me that they loved me and so would only bring snacks. And uh, that was how I knew that they had any care or affection or thought for me. And so I think I've internalized that as like my way of showing people love the thing of thinking that people it's the that nobody nobody's mad at you song that i mm -hmm. that i wrote that's, you sing it now nobody's mad at you nobody's mad at you you're having a private experience nobody's mad at you nobody's mad at you nobody really gives a fuck Boom. you also just realize like no one is thinking about you it's in that yeah not, no one's obsessed no one's thinking about you. we're all just flying past each other i'm not even wondering about anyone else the second you're out of my sight i'm not thinking about you and also like you know i think again 
part of this is because of the way that my brain is wired, but part of this is also childhood trauma. I had a parent who would say like, oh, I'm just off to work and they'd be in a, you know, work outfit and have a briefcase and look like they're going to work, but then they wouldn't come back for several years. And they'd have been in another country with another partner. And so there's probably a little like actual, I don't know, is it trauma? But like there's a, an injury there. I don't like you overusing the word trauma. The I think it's a nightmare at how much we overuse yeah. trauma. But there's a there's an injury there that has now created an assumption that when someone says goodbye to me, like even James, who I've lived with for like eight years, that when he leaves the house for tour or even just to go out for a meeting, I'm like, bye. Forever. Yeah. And then he's out that door. And you're fine with and it? I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't mean single as in like ready to fuck. I just mean like, well, I'm alone now. And I'll always be alone. And and he, it was great to know that guy. What a great guy. And I yeah. genuinely feel this way. Do you feel hurt? No, not at okay. all. And when he I comes feel home, hurt, like, well, I guess that's the end of that. I fucked up. I must have fucked up for Jamila to not text me back or whomever to not text me back. Like my assumption is, well, yeah, you, you because of your faults, tone, stuff, whatever. No, you fucked up. You never have to worry that I'm not going to tell you if I'm mad at you. Okay. And you know that by now, hopefully, that I will always tell you if you've hurt my feelings or pissed me off because I, like, I never tell anyone if I don't care about them. If I don't care about having a, a prolonged relationship with that person, I don't give a shit about what they're doing that's pissing me off because I just want them to go away. But I want to know you for the rest of my life. You are one of my favorite people that I have ever met even when we clash, I would rather clash with you than bond with someone else. Mm -hmm. Like I just adore you and I want to know you forever. And James feels that way as well. And so I, I'll ne I promise I will never, ever, ever just let, just ghost you or let you like sit Right, but I can talk myself into like, this is a lie. You know what Do I mean? Do you actually think that's a lie no, for no, me? No, no, I don't. But I'm saying if I don't hear back from you, my brain will go... Well, people change. Yeah. yeah, you said something when you were leaving my house like a few months ago that just made me go like, um, where you were walking out the door and you were, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you were like, you're one of the good ones, so don't let me down. Like, yeah. You're one of the ones that I still have faith friend, in, so don't yeah. let me down. Yeah. Uh, and I felt both like very privileged to be in that, you know, in that place, but also um, sad that there's a kind of, like shadow boxing trigger happy well i don't think i'm even making up the things that i'm uh paranoid about or or issues i have with friends or like you know the backstory and it's like no i've been pretty severely let down by yeah. people so i don't i want to fight like eight of yeah, the people yeah. no, that I hurt know. your feelings so, like so, it's on fucking sight so yeah so i have to prepare yeah. For the, I need a go bag, an emotional go bag mm -hmm. with my rations <laughs> and my guns and my, like, I can't expect, I keep expecting people to be decent and they aren't. And I don't even know if it's because I have bad taste, like a bunch of reasons, but. Ah, uh, you see, you pick your friends based on decency. That's a huge mistake. I pick my friends based on who's funny. No, you've got it exactly wrong. You've got it exactly wrong. I'm sure. Um, so 
so yeah like i'm i'm whatever so i don't know i i i am paranoid and they're after me so to speak like mm-hmm. i am paranoid and i so i don't is that the just because you're paranoid doesn't yeah, mean they're not yes, out to get you both right? both uh, both are true in my mm-hmm. case so yeah i can't even i can't even i wouldn't even be able to gaslight you out of that because you've had so many shitty yeah, experiences yeah so yeah and i don't even feel especially sorry for myself i'm just like yeah i don't know human beings but because it, it, I know we're that we're all addicted to human approval and also have incredibly low opinions about human beings. But because I know that, like I have a like a tender space in my heart to remind you when I can that I love you. Nobody's mad at you. Nobody's mad at you. You're having a private experience. Nobody's mad at you, nobody's mad at you, nobody really gives a fuck. Film.